Welcome to The Power of Stories, a podcast by women, about women, and for women. Their voices and their stories. I am Sharon Catherine D'Agostino, a passionate advocate for the empowerment of women and girls everywhere and the founder of SayItForward.org. And I'm Yodit Kifle-Smith, a creative dedicated to making sure the voices and stories of women are heard. I have the privilege of working with Sharon on SayItForward.org to do just that. In this podcast, you will meet courageous women from around the world whose unique path to empowerment will leave you encouraged and inspired. We are excited today to be talking with Fernanda Vasquez, who is joining us from her home near Mexico City. Fernanda is a decolonial feminist and activist in women's rights and sexual and reproductive rights. Thank you for being with us today, Fernanda. Hey, thank you. Thank you so much for the invitation and for having me here today. I'm so thrilled to be talking with you, and Yodit and I have been very much looking forward to this conversation. So you describe yourself as a decolonial feminist. What in your own life experience led you to this path? I study international relations here in Mexico, and when I studied, I didn't get to know feminism. After that, during COVID, I guess I had the time to read and to have this approach to fem- feminism. And also, I remember that that March before COVID, uh, we had in Mexico a really big protest, like the biggest one that we had. And I went with my mom. That was like so inspiring for me, like being there and hearing all the voices and uh, reclaiming for our lives and or decide to choose and decide in our own bodies with my mom. So I think that was the first I want to to get into feminism. And then COVID came and I had like the time to read and to have this approach. And after that, I opened Instagram page. It, it was called For Femme in, in Spanish. And I used to this like this post informing about feminism like what is feminism why is important why uh, gender violence uh, is so important for us so i start my my advocacy and my activist path in in that way now it's closed because i don't have the time so it's kind of sad and i am also thinking in reopening it because i really enjoy to have this space when i start getting to know feminism i start to prefer radical feminism <laughs> because it was great for me that they were able to take uh, the streets and make noise and everything. So I guess it was good. But then I found uh, the colonial feminists and makes me more sense because I think colonialism is in every part of our lives and it's hard to deal with it and it's hard to deal with it when you work in this kind of work of or civil society organizations. And also I feel like colonization brought us here in, in Mexico and Latin America, a lot of thoughts like trans people and indigenous people, there's talk about trans women. And for me, it didn't feel right to deny the existence of someone. So I guess 
in the the colonial feminists I found like these ways I recognize my, myself there and my life experiences there and I decide to just start to read more about that it has really sensed me and also I I would like to say that Angela Davis is my favorite feminism <laughs> and she also inspired me a lot of my work and the the way that I'm thinking about feminism so so yeah that's that's the whole story for for that who in your life affirmed or encouraged you to make noise where noise needed to be I think I have a really good childhood also a privilege because I have both my dad and my mom and they raised me they don't see themselves like feminism they raised me like a feminism (laughs) Um, they just let me decide what I want to do what toys kind of toys I want to play what clothes I want to wear so that's where I think all come from and also they always taught me like not because you're a girl you have to do this like having kids or cook or whatever. So I think it's great because my dad, I don't want to say help my mom because it's it was her uh, his responsibility, but he do this. All the things that make normal adults, <laughs> like cooking, cleaning, washing the clothes and everything, they know how to do it. So I, I didn't grow up seeing my mom in the kitchen and my dad in the coach. I see them both uh, sharing responsibilities in the house. So I think it's a privilege in Mexico because we have like very this macho culture where women are the ones that they need to be in charge of care. Uh, but in, in my house, it wasn't like that. So I think they told me you have to speak when things aren't good as you want. That is so impressive. Can you remember a time when you were a child, when you did speak up about something that you thought needed to be changed? I think I remember in in Mexico, we have like high rates of uh, violence against women. And that's sad. And I feel like I always protest against harassment, but a street harassment, it's that called I don't remember the name, but like a street harassment. Street harassment, yes, it is absolutely called that. (laughs) (laughs) So I always protest uh, against that. And it was with my mom, for example. People like men used to see her in the street and I was like, (laughs) I wanted to fight with them. (laughs) And then (laughs) they teach me like, you can fight with them because you are in danger if you do that. But I think that was like my first remembrance of I don't want to be like this. This shouldn't happen. This is not good for us. Can you talk to us about your participation around the UN General Assembly, especially about having young leaders' voices heard? I think I've been so privileged to have the opportunity to talk in those spaces. I think that's the the, the first thing that came to my mind. Because it's not something that all youth people can do. For us, political participation and participation of youth people, it's so important because it's a human right at first, but it's also a way to make accountable to actors so they can provide us our human rights and our 
basic needs. I think it's difficult also because there's one thing, this big thing that it's called adultocentrism. I think it's hard because of that, because it's not all the spaces are prepared for having youth people. Sometimes they keep looking at you as, as a child or as a people that you they can use as tokenism. That's kind of hard, but it's so important for us to be there and to be able to participate and to decide. When you have had the opportunity recently to talk to international groups about the importance of youth political participation in decision-making. Do you feel heard? Yeah, I do feel heard. I just have a reflection last week during general in United Nations General Assembly that change will come and it's coming from grassroots organization and youth movements. It's not coming from government levels and president levels. It's coming from down in quotes to up. So you have to fight against a lot of things. I have to say that sometimes I feel hurt and sometimes I don't. It depends on the space and it depends on the um, actors that I'm speaking of. Like there's there are some governments that are more open to hear like, yeah, youth uh, representations, youth leaders. And there are some governments that it's like tokenism. We have youth people check. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess it really depends on the kind of actors that you're speaking with. But uh, again, I think that the change will become, it's com- it's coming from us. So that keeps me inspired to to do these things, even if I don't feel completely heard. So when you don't feel completely heard, and I think that certainly women all over the world throughout history have had the experience of not feeling fully heard, what do you do to encourage yourself to keep going? It's really sad to go to those spaces and see that nothing's changing, that we are talking the same things that we were talking in 10 years ago. So that's hard. But what inspired me and what motivate me to to do this work is that I do believe that we can have another world where all people have the rights to be who they are and that they have all the rights that we should have by now. In Mexico or in Spanish, the fight indigenous fight people, Zapatistas, called Otro Mundo es Posible. Another world is possible. So I think that's what inspired me because I really think that another world is possible if we all work together to have a better world for everyone. How important is mentorship for you in this space? And so are there people in your life who are, you know, older and who value and affirm your voice that have helped you walk this this path? In my organization, where I work, we have these uh, intergenerational dialogues. So I think that's important. I feel like most of the feminist adults that we work with and, and they are our allies, 
they are important mentorships. So they keep us like training and learning us things uh, about United Nations and advocacy spaces and stuff. There's a lot of adult people who is willing to help us. I am again privileged to meet them because I also know that there's some adult people that are not so young friendly. I have work experience in internships and I've known people, it's not so old, like maybe 30, but they are so good with me because they um, help me with everything. Like when I don't know where to head or what to do with my professional and academic life, I reach to them and they are like, everything's going to be okay. You just have to relax yourself and think about what you want and think about the next step. Like now that I'm looking for my my master's, I have a call today with a friend and she was like, everything's going to be okay. You just have to relax. <laughs> and I feel like that mentorship, like in work and in personal life, it's so important because you have someone to look up and also someone who can guide you through a better way. What would be the one thing that you would change in women's rights? Women, girls, and youth people can decide about what they want to do and be with their lives. We will be able to decide a lot of things like, I don't know, what to do with our bodies, like abortion, sexual and reproductive rights, but also education, but also work, but also if I want to be a mom or I don't want to be a mom, if I want to study, if I want to work. So I think everything keeps on that. I know everything is so much complex than that, but I think that would be a great one step. And I also think like, for example, Afghanistan, where women can go to a school, they would be able to decide that. And also here in Mexico, we have child marriage and girls uh, deciding I don't want to get married. I want to study. That would be awesome. You mentioned that it is, a, you know, such a privilege to be able to grow up in a space that has allowed you to just be comfortable with your voice and also know your power. So how can we all encourage other women and girls to confidently use their voice and claim their power? They should be more in touch with their support networks. I think that's important because if you speak by yourself, it's important for sure. But if you get to have this network, you're going to feel more support. Education is important, but it's not the only way. Like formal education, it's not the only way. You can learn about so many things outside school. And that's also really important for girls to to know and to learn. And I would say that we need to work with parents also. <laughs> Because I know that girls are being teaching with social media. It's really easy to get to feminism and, and to learn. But if we don't have parents that have that perspective, it's going to be really hard to them to grow up in that houses. I don't know. I, I, I have friends here in Mexico that always fight with their families about abortion, for example, or about I don't want to study that career. I don't want to get married. Also, it's important to work with adults, not just parents, adults in general, so they can know we can decide in our own lives. Feminism is important, but I know that not so many women 
want to call themselves feminists now. And I get it. I totally get it. And I respect. But I feel like that would be important too. Or this anti-patriarchal point of view, it's important. No, no, I don't want to say feminism, but yeah, anti-patriarchal way to see. For me, it's important to have this network of of support uh, where you can speak and develop yourself. Fernanda, thank you so much for being with us today and for the work that you're doing. You're making a huge difference. And we just are grateful that you are here to be able to share your story and inspire so many others. Thank you. And to our listeners, as always, thank you for making the time to listen to this episode of the Power of Stories podcast. Fernanda, I add my sincere thanks as well. This has been a wonderful conversation Thank you for using your voice to drive change, to drive women's rights, to drive sexual and reproductive health and rights, and for encouraging other young leaders to do the same. We always send thanks out to the co-producer and editor of the Power of Stories podcast, Lisa DeJavine, who will edit this episode and I always send heartfelt thanks to my dear friend, Yodit. So thank you. Fernanda, is there something you would like to leave our listeners with? I just want to say thank you for having me here today and for your patience. And to our listeners, we invite you to visit sayitforward.org, a place where you are welcome to share one or more stories about your unique path to empowerment. Or you can read the stories of other women and girls. This is Sharon Catherine D'Agostino and Yodit Kifle-Smith signing off for now and hoping you'll join us for our next episode of the Power of Stories podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, we do hope you'll give us a review and recommend the Power of Stories to a friend. And lastly, we want to remind you of the power of your story.